Hello and welcome back to the Peak Too Early podcast. My name is Oscar and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Blake. How are you this week, Blake? I am certainly doing better than a Newcastle team that got turned mm. over 2-0 by a dreadful Chelsea team. Uh, yeah. So that's my floor. I'm doing better than that. Well, it was a weekend of statement victories in the Premier League for the likes of Chelsea, and you can throw in Liverpool and Tottenham in there too, as they continued their climb to the top of the table. Elsewhere, a lacklustre match between Leeds and Arsenal, which was a fixture that I think everyone was looking forward to, sees both slip down the table with a nil-nil draw. And let's not even mention that Man U-West Brom match. Um, Absolutely terrible. Yeah. This week, I'm actually in the basement of my house. Um, I am a little bit worried about the Wi-Fi connection here. The one episode, our very first one that we recorded here at my house, you could definitely tell that the Wi-Fi was spotty. So I'm sort of hoping that it's clearer down here. I guess we'll have to see. Apologies if it isn't. Yes. I record every episode from the basement of my house. Mm. So, yeah, well, uh, you have a lovely basement. Mine is actually unfurnished. So, I'm sort of sitting in a very like overhanging warehouse lights kind of deal down here. So, yes, yeah. ours was unfurnished uh, until we moved in and we furnished the basement. Mm. And now it's very nice. So, the fun- yeah, the furnishing is yet to come. All right. Okay. Let's launch straight into it it was a overall a pretty good weekend of premier league football there were a couple of exciting matches but why don't we start it off i will quickly say yeah like looking at this match day yeah before it started i thought this was really going to be like a historical yeah match day yeah and it is disappointing in terms of like that bar that was set before any ball was kicked but looking back it was still a pretty entertaining match day so yeah i always just trying to i try to be a bit upbeat i guess i get sad when when football is underwhelming but let's start let's start off let's get it out of the way let's start off with with your beloved newcastle at home to chelsea and you lost 2-0 what happened beloved is a little bit <laughs> warm for my feelings for Newcastle. It's Aww. more a uh there is a cold iron handcuff with mm. me in Newcastle and I do not have a key you can't to let escape. myself out. Yeah. Mm. Um it was a match that if you looked at the rest of our results this season so far, yeah, we should have won. It was usually these matches against teams that look pretty woeful Yeah, is where Newcastle picks up their points. West Ham, the first day of the season, West Ham were atrocious. We get yes, out with a were. comfortable win. Mm-hmm. The Everton win. Everton has no idea what to do with the ball. Newcastle gets in, gets a good win. Chelsea... They were left and right, and they still got out. I would say a new bar for terrible for Newcastle, but honestly, it isn't. We've played some, like, when we played the weird handball rule, Yeah. this match, Chelsea didn't know what to do. 
Timo Werner didn't know, and they still, at no point, did they look like they were going to drop any point. It's, there's kind of like two directions you can take in football. You can either let the defense pass around the back and try to steal the ball when they work their way into your half, or you can press them in their own half and try to in Newcastle's third without any pressure on them. You're just inviting a goal to be scored. Everything about Newcastle was terrible today. One shot on target, 28% possession. We were at like 13% possession in the first 30 minutes. Uh, Below 75% uh, pass accuracy, a load of fouls. We should have gotten a lot more yellow cards. I at no point did I think we were going to get a point from this game after about 45 seconds in. Yeah, no, me neither. I, I think I texted you before this match saying that I thought that Frank Lampard was there to be had tactically. You know, because, I mean, I think about, I mean, we played Chelsea, I think, in mid-December. And while West Ham always raise their game for these big clubs, I I think that sort of regardless of that, I'm much more confident in West Ham and Moyes' capabilities to to outthink Frank Lampard. This is, I mean, I know I'm banging this drum a lot, but this is a guy who's, he's in his third full season of management and he hasn't done a ton to convince us all of any sort of, I don't know, like tactical direction that he's taking the club and he essentially just has incredible players at his disposal. And like you said, you know, Timo Werner, he wasn't really doing anything, you know, tactically to to get at your back line or to pick up pockets of space. You know, he clearly hadn't been given many other instructions other than just sort of run, run at, run at the players. So, you know, I think it was a real missed opportunity. I, I was sort of confident before this match of you getting something out of it, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, it's just, it's so frustrating to watch. Um, and, like, of course, post-match, Steve Bruce, he says, the reporter asks some question along the lines of, like, do you expect backlash for how the team performed today? And Steve Bruce just goes, uh, with Newcastle, the fans are never happy. They, there's always complaining. Mm. We, if we win or we lose, they, they're always going to complain. It's um, an easy one to go back on for him. Yeah. So easy and so non-true. We didn't criticize. We criticized Rafa Benitez when we had dire performances, but they were... A handful every season uh we understood what he was doing and we saw the direction that newcastle wanted to go in with steve bruce even when we win it's just because we're like marginally less shite than the team we played uh like everton were terrible when we played them and we just like happened to be slightly less terrible um and like west ham like that first game of the season, y'all were, we were spunk. dreadful. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's not criminal for a fan to say, I don't want my team to play 90 minutes of dire football. Like, I want to enjoy watching my team play. Yeah. 
and Bye. Steve Bruce just every match just goes. Uh, the fans are unreasonable. They want us to be I, Barcelona. I'm like, no one's mm-hmm. asking you to be Barcelona. We're asking to enjoy what we're watching. Yeah, I understand that. I think, I mean, I do think that Steve Bruce has a point. I think you're going to kill me for this. I do think Newcastle fans are relatively volatile. You know, I think you aren't screaming, like, let's play Barcelona football. But I do think that a core group of that fan base is perfectly unreasonable i mean when when thousands of fans are legitimately taking to twitter to say when this takeover happens we're gonna sign like Lionel messi and like just daft stuff like that i think it it is true that you can oh sorry you know you can you can legitimately criticize that kind of behavior you know i mean just think of the managers you've had in the past i mean you've had crap ones but the fans don't seem to give them the time of day right just think of like alan pardew i know he's like judas to you but do you know what i mean well yeah so aside from alan pardew headbutting uh oh a opposing player um i mean alan pardew was alan pardew when he managed us like you get six months of good football football, and then you have 12 months before he gets sacked of playing dire football um so, I mean, yeah, but also Steve Bruce has a worse uh, record than Alan Pardew. Even he has a worse record than Glenn fucking Roeder. <laughs> he, I, this, I just don't understand the like enamor with Steve Bruce. Uh, he's by far, he has by far the worst record of any manager in the Premier League. And he's just such a cunt to Newcastle fans. And I understand, yes, sure, some Newcastle fans are unrealistic in their demands. Um, But every club has supporters who are slightly unrealistic. Um, And, I mean, even the uh, party that was talking about taking us over their idea of like marquee signings was uh, Hamza Shadouri from Leicester. Um, like mm, that was gonna like be him. their marquee signing. Uh, I think he's a fucking cunt, but uh, you're really dropping the C bombs here. Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna uh, have yeah. to um, bleep those out for our American audience. All right, I will. I, think. I will. Uh, yeah, try my best to edit out the U <laughs> N, and so they just hear. Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting that they were gonna sign Hamza Chowdhury. Because, see, but don't you think that, I mean, and we can move on in a second because, yeah, it's Newcastle, nobody cares. But don't you think that Newcastle fans would react horribly to that news? You know, I mean, and and that's like, frankly, it's not inspiring, but, you know, at least it's realistic. And yet, you know, like... If if that w- were the case and it went through and you were targeting these kind of players, Newcastle fans would go ballistic. And there's that volatility I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I think if you have 13 years under like a terrible ownership and terrible decisions, uh, you're just going to make the supporter base more and more volatile. Yeah. Um, and sure, I mean, like I like being, like I do get a little bit of joy being 
Hating Newcastle. So like hating Newcastle. Cause yeah. it's a little therapeutic to like be able to watch right. something I, and then I can stuff. get my emotions out and just be like, God, that was the worst performance I've seen. And it just seems like every single week we have a worse performance than the week before. I woke mm-hmm. up at seven thirty AM to watch this match. Um uh, the supporters trust for Newcastle were talking on their podcast about how Newcastle has this idea that they can become a glo- like have a global fan base. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the president of our supporters trust was like, well, what are folks in Asia who woke up, wake, wake up at 3 a.m. to watch Newcastle get turned over and have one shot on target and 20% possession? Are they actually going to want to watch Newcastle United? So Probably not, no. Yeah. There you go. Sure, we're volatile. Sure, we're ridiculous. But if you're still defending Bruce, like I think you're a bad faith fan or bad faith arguer um, of Premier League football in general. Well, Not you, like g- generic you. Like, yeah, thank you. You know, speaking of volatility, and this is an extremely professional segue, Villa are extending their bad form to a, to another match day as they lost 2-1 to Brighton Hove Albion, Potter's Brighton and Hove Albion. And you really enjoyed this match. Yeah, uh, I think it's kind of... Uh the season that Aston Villa have had so far and will have. Um, they're like, clearly there's talent there. They have mm-hmm. some amazing players, but the consistency isn't there. And you're going to get these matches where like, they absolutely, in my opinion, don't deserve a point. Um, it, I just want to start this it started out really poorly for Villa with uh, Barkley, what appears to be a hamstring yeah. pull, uh, like two minutes into this match. Yeah, less. Um, that was a sad sight. Yeah. Um, yeah. A very important player to Villa. Um, I have always been a Ross Barkley doubter. Um, I think the only good thing about him is that he... Uh, is technically eligible for Nigeria. I think that's like the coolest thing. Um, but I have never really rated him as a player. Um, although this season he's playing amazingly. So I am willing to accept Ross Barkley might be better than I've given him credit for. But he he, he can be extremely exciting when he drives at players like like he does. Yes. Uh, but that ability is not always there, um, mm-hmm. especially when he was at Chelsea because he was given fewer opportunities and then also, in my opinion, not the best player. But Aston Villa team gets plenty of opportunities and then leaves after about 120 seconds due to injury. Yeah. But anyways, this match starts with uh, a 12th minute Danny Welbeck chip over the Brighton goal, or mm. sorry, blah, 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 over the Aston Villa goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, he, I don't know what 
Aston Villa is doing. I know. In this defense. It's awful. He well, is like seven yards in his own half. Yeah. No, and look. He's all yeah. alone. The, this this Villa back line, they just pressed ridiculously high. I don't know what Dean Smith is telling them to do. But like they pressed that high and Welbeck just slips through. And he's he's lost a yard of pace since those manual early Arsenal days. But, you know, even Mings and like Cash couldn't catch him on the run. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't know. But it was a nice little dink over the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, you expect a goal scorer to score that. But yeah. Danny, Belbe- Danny Welbeck has not been a goal scorer in his career. So that's true. Good for him. Uh, probably one of the top what ifs of my life watching football. Um, mm-hmm. Him and Daniel nev- Sturridge. In, sure. Yeah, exactly. In my career, in my time watching football, he's never been a good player. So you know, I think sure, he's a really he- great foil for Morpe, though, because you know, he, he can like buzz around him. And Welbeck, I saw him dropping pretty deep, like Kane-esque deep to drive with the ball and to release his runners in Morpay and March. So I was pretty excited about him in that team. I think with Welbeck, you see what the, the potential was for him. Like you can see his like intelligence right. and his like positioning and his like little touches and whatnot. Um, it's just, he didn't have that all together when he still had his athleticism that was the injury lost his athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. And he has the opportunity to show all his like actual skill. Um, it's just a shame. It comes seven years too late. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that was followed up by, uh, Trezeguet, uh, there was a kind of what I think of as like a slow counterattack um, for Aston Villa in the 18th minute, um, and it eventually drops to Trezeguet, um, and he missed, and I say he misses two open goals here because the goalkeeper has terrible positioning on both. Um, The first one, it's like cut back to him. uh, It's blocked by the defender, and then it drops back to him, and he misses it wide. which I think was somewhat of a reoccurring theme in this match. Uh, Aston Villa had the opportunities. They just were not very clinical. Um, then uh, later on in the 37th minute, um, there was a set piece swung in. Uh, Ty- somehow it gets through the defenders. Tyrone Mings is standing on the six-yard box, and he nearly manages to chip Matt Ryan. Uh, from the six-yard box, and Matt Ryan makes this strange save where he he doesn't really kick. He just like has his left leg out, and he blocks it from going in. And then he clatters the bar or the uh, post. Uh, and I just included that because Tyrone Minks almost chipped the goalkeeper <laughs> from a set piece. Yeah, from inside the six-yard box. Um, would have been I thought that would have been. Amazing. Um, and then uh right after uh the break, uh 
Bertrand Traore, uh, ex-Chelsea product, uh, swings in a set piece, um, which I was really surprised by. Uh, yeah, me too. If you have Jack Grealish in your team and uh, Ross Barkley, I don't expect anyone else to take a set piece. Uh, but Bertrand Traore t- uh, crosses it in. Uh, it's a great delivery from the Burkina Faso in. Uh, and Ezri Konsa uh, has a great like timed run uh and it's yeah. a good goal um yeah and then uh later on about 10 minutes later Soli marsh uh he who by the way is 26 years old which i did yeah, not know i thought i thought he was like 21 or 22 um no he's been there for, but, for his whole career well that's n- not Totally true, and I'll get to that. In I mean, a second, the loan, but the loan doesn't count. Come on, the ball uh, is like sort of it comes across the box, and Soli Marsh catches it, and it's a great finish. Um, kind of like a hard drive across his body to the far top corner, um, or far about midway up. Um, and my question for you is, can you tell me what club Zoli Marsh moved to Brighton from? Um, to Brighton from? No, he's yes. been there his whole career, mate. No. It, does, it, does not, it does not count before he, that. He, he came, came from, from that non, non-league. League. Yeah, he came from that non-league club beginning with an L. Yes. Lose FC. Uh, uh, in the Isthmian League, which feeds into the National League South. Um, but I just wanted to bring them up because uh, they actually pay their men's and women's team the same amount. Uh, oh, right. Yes. Which is cool. Um, and I just wanted to shout out Lose FC. So, um, yeah. Although it um, must be hard to name yourself Lose FC. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, anyways, uh, later on, uh, there's a big chance for Brighton um, in the 72nd minute. Uh, Jack Grealish does this weird attempted defensive clearance where he backheels it and he basically gives it to the Brighton player and like dares him to score a goal. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, uh, while Aston Villa is like going all out trying to get something from this match, uh, Trezeguet takes an elbow to the throat, which VAR determined was not a foul. But watching it back, I think clearly the Brighton defender intentionally elbows Trezeguet in the throat. I don't know if you caught that or if you have an opinion on that. Uh, I didn't. Oh, the, yeah. The, sorry. You know what? I'm full confession. I was just thinking about how uh, you pronounce what is called Lewis. Um, at this whole huh? time, I thought you were talking about a different club. Just just so you know, viewers, Sussex names, they can be very strange, but it, it is Lewis. I'm so sorry. I, I was got very distracted by that. We can cut it out if necessary. But if nah. you're talking about the penalty, I do have opinions on this penalty. Would you like to hear them? This is not about the penalty. Okay, well but... then that's, that's embarrassing for me because I really did just check out. What were you talking about? I'm so sorry. Okay. 90th minute, uh, Aston oh. Villa get a throw in. Trezeguet gets elbowed in the throat. Um, oh, yes. By maybe Webster. I, I didn't catch the player that did it. Um, in my opinion, that's a foul. Yeah. VAR yeah. said it wasn't a foul. 
Yeah, VAR um, was very suspicious in this match, frankly. Yeah. I thought that was a foul. That was, I mean, if it wasn't violent conduct, it was definitely reckless endangerment. I mean, because he elbowed him in the throat. Yeah, I don't so, think it's intentional, but yeah, no, it's I not agree. intentional, but it doesn't it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm fine with that decision. And um, and then you got Lamptey sent, sent off two off. yellows. That terrible. that yeah, terrible. yeah, 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 exactly. And then you got the penalty. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. In my opinion, it's not even a question that Lamptey's uh, challenge isn't a second yellow. Like, I think it's a pretty clear like. Sure, potentially you can call uh-huh. it as a foul, but it's yeah. not a a card ever. No, no. But it's one of those things where I don't know because it's so late in the game, the referee feels emboldened to just give him a second. And he had been yeah. he had been sort of. I mean, he was actually I thought he was pretty excellent in this game. Constantly so positive, putting pressure on players and nicking the ball. But he had been biting at. Uh, players ankles shall we say throughout the match so maybe the referee was sick of him but it was a questionable decision i thought yes i agree i think he had a great match yeah i want your opinions on the penalty though because it blew up on social media i saw jack grealish tweeted var equals lmao which was searing analysis from the villa star but what did you think was was this a penalty so um I have it up right now. Um and this is what was going through my mind as it happens. So the ball is played forward from I believe Maddie Cash uh to Trezeguet. Trezeguet's in the box. Um it's kind of uh Soli Marsh is tracking where the pass goes. Uh he attempts to just nick the ball. He definitely gets the ball yeah. first, but it's kind of that defensive clearance where you're moving your leg out to the side. And yeah. he, as he's doing that, after he gets the ball, he gets Trezeguet's shin. Yeah. And while there is contact, Trezeguet's legs move in a way that doesn't happen when you yeah. get clipped on a shin his legs snap back and like do basically do uh like butt kicks that's what we call i don't know if you call them butt kicks as well um but his legs like snap back uh and he goes over um and i think the reason that they did not get a penalty is because it looks so ridiculous mm. in the review like it looks so exaggerated yeah even more so in slow motion yeah so while there is sure contact one well actually i'm not even totally sure there's contact um it doesn't it's not clear that there's contact. well i mean um, I, so so sonny march when he was interviewed by the bbc after the match said in he didn't he didn't deny that he kicked essentially kicked Trezeguet, but he said um, follow through on that kind of challenge is unavoidable so therefore it's like not a foul because he got the ball so I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah um, there's just this one angle from behind Trezeguet where it really you like uh, at, at first I was like yeah like sure he clips his shin but from the angle from behind uh, 
you really go, wait, did he actually really even make contact? Yeah. Oh, I thought the that's, contact that's was pretty what, clear, but if you're watching it, then... Sure. I I, I'm... Even if there is contact, though, yeah, I don't think... And this is, like, kind of the problem with... Like, there's a difference between a flop and a dive, and if there is contact, then this is considered a dive, where you're, like, embellishing yeah. the contact. Yeah. Um, yeah. The more you embellish contact, sometimes, yes, you'll get the call. But with VAR, and you're looking at this in slow motion... And the embellishment is so egregious, yeah. Then the referee, honestly, will look like if he does call it a penalty, the analysis will be, yeah, he got duped by Trezeguet. Yeah. But, and then if he doesn't call it, Aston Villa tweets, "Var equals shit." Yeah. Lol. Lol. Yeah. Well, it was a good game. Yeah, certainly an entertaining game. Deserved from Brighton, in my opinion. Yeah. All, All right, right. You want to move on? Yeah. Shall we move on to Spurs City? Um, this was also billed as one of the big matches of the weekend. And it was Tottenham who came out on top. 2-0 winners. And I texted you before the match started saying, I hate the fact that I want Spurs to win. But for some reason, I did. Because I think really because I am very much hoping that uh, someone else wins the league this season. I'm kind of sick of City's dominance and Liverpool are getting kind of boring as well. But I'll go through the notes I have on this game. Um, First of all, they were, I think they did miss Raheem Sterling. Um, He came on in about the 70-something minute, but he's had to pull out the England squad with a slight injury so not fully fit and obviously they were missing that attacking outlet on the wing um i wrote what wtf were the defense doing not picking up son's run which um is very true i think (laughs) buzz they played deep and they played on the counter and they essentially let kane put himself in positions where absolutely nobody marked him either because they didn't know how or they simply couldn't and honestly i i'm i think i would go for the former i think that kane is reinventing the role of the complete striker to such an extent that managers even of the ilk of pep guardiola don't really know what to do with him when he drops into that quarterback role and just releases son and whoever's playing on that right wing be it bergwein or mora or gareth bale um, and the Spurs attacking nine were just finding so much joy. They were they were finding all those pockets of space. They were overlapping. The centre backs were just were just sta- basically staring at Son Heung Min as he was making runs right past him, right past him. Sorry. Um, yeah, it was a breathless beginning. Uh, and then we had the the Spurs goal, and then Lepore he lashed home for an equaliser, but it was ruled out. Um, because Jesus accidentally controlled it with his forearm in the build-up. And then uh, come the second half, Lachelso comes on and basically with his first touch scores his first Premier League goal. And I... Is that his, is that his first goal for Spurs as well? No, I'm pretty sure he scored in the Champions League and maybe a couple cup competitions. But um, 
you know, it, I texted you again that Mourinho looks like a genius right now. And honestly, I think it, I mean, it might be a case of old Mourinho tactics working again, but with much more scintillating attacking play. Um, and I, maybe we can get into that argument a bit later, but to sort of cap it off, I guess I have down here that Spurs hadn't been top of the Premier League overnight since August 2014, which I thought was quite a stat given Pochettino's dominance. Um, and yeah, uh, the players that Tottenham have and can bring on are a bit ridiculous, honestly. Um, and I was, I was, I was wondering whether Mourinho should be more ruthless in positions like that when they're tuna up against a good side who aren't, who we know aren't going to give up. Should he be more ruthless and hook the likes of Kane and Son to ensure they're as rested as possible? Does it work like that? I'm not sure. But regardless, it was great game management from Mourinho. And they only had two shots on target, two goals, and they won. And um, your boy Eric Dyer was excellent. So I'm sure you enjoyed yeah. that. It, yeah, it hurt me. Yeah. yeah. At least when he plays against Newcastle, he's terrible. So it makes yeah. up for it. I really don't care how he does against the other teams. Yeah. Um, so uh, just going on about your comment uh, that uh, I will screen cap uh, and save forever that you yeah. said you were rooting for Tottenham. I know. Um, terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, of the current top three, they are who I would most like to see win the Premier League. Yeah, I'd much too. rather them win rather than Liverpool or Chelsea. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, another... So, w I have not really enjoyed watching Jose Mourinho, um, mm -hmm. especially when he was managing Manchester United. Yeah, But you can see in the way that he's managing Tottenham right now, you can still see that. So, okay. So my, my gripe with him when he managed Manchester United is they were so boring and so defensive um, that any Manchester United match was just so terrible to watch. Yeah. Um, and right now he's managing Tottenham and you can still see that defensive stability that he's trying to instill in his team. Right. But then Tottenham have such a dynamic attack where Ooh, you have attack. like a generational player like Harry Kane who yeah. who knows what he really is, but whatever you do make of him, you know he's amazing. And then you have Hyung Min Son who despite being uh potentially the dirtiest player in the Premier League. Oh, gosh. Uh, is an unreal talent. Um, he is a generational a, talent as well, especially if yeah. you're just talking about Asian football players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. And then outside of those two, they have so many players who provide such a unique twist on the Spurs yeah. team Yeah. that... Yeah. Like this Tottenham team is it's so pretty legit. Yeah. Do you think I wanted to ask you before we move on? Um I wanted to put it out there into the into the ether. It, is is this Spurs side having so much success this season 
because the conditions of uh, what the Premier League is and what football is right now during this pandemic sort of enabling those old school Mourinho tactics of the early noughties. Is football regressing to Jose Mourinho or is Jose Mourinho adapting to modern football? Because we have a season which is incredibly attritional. It's back to the wall stuff. Um, and Jose Mourinho can motivate his players to go out and grab a result, grab a trophy, um, and make it feel like it's against all odds because everyone hates Spurs and look what everyone they're making us Mourinho. do. They're, they're making us play four matches in a week and how terrible is this? And it's us against the world. Do you think that the conditions are enabling this is Jose Mourinho's side to succeed? Or is that too harsh? Um, I, I think what you say is a great point, but I wonder if really, like what I feel in my heart is happening with this Spurs team and why the Spurs are top the Premier League. Yeah. I feel like just by what Tottenham was before Mourinho got there and who Mourinho is, that they're a near-perfect match. Um, I think Mourinho with a player like Kane and a player like Heung-Min Son is exactly what he needed. Um, right. I actually think Mourinho probably is a little bit negatively affected by the COVID climate because I feel like so much of what drove Jose Mourinho was that, like, everyone hates Mourinho um, yeah. and, like, the fans giving him shit. And, like, you think about Jose Mourinho, like, raising his hand to his ear uh, to the fans yeah. and, like, winding them up but like they know that that's who Mourinho is yeah uh, and he's not winding them up to like to, like it's like kind of like banterous like yeah so yeah. I think he has nice. the perfect ingredients right now right. and I think this Tottenham team is pretty pretty dangerous cool listen Blake not to complain but we are doing an absolutely horrible job of not talking in a lot of detail about every single match. It's just, it's so exciting to talk about it with you, but we have been going for almost an hour. So where do well, you want to go next? Where do you want to go next? Man, you West Brom. I will absolutely run this out in less not. than 30 seconds. Yeah, you better. Awful you better. Match. Awful match. West Brom deserved to be rele relegated just for the green and yellow kits. Yep. Uh, the, uh, in my opinion, poor VAR decision. Uh, it should have been a penalty for West Brom. Fernandez goes through the shins of the West Brom player. Manchester United defense is shaky uh, and have a shaky goalkeeper. Uh, if you put enough pressure on them, they are going to collapse at some point this season. Yep. Uh, and uh, there was a penalty taken by Bruno Fernandez. He misses. Sam jo it's retaken for Sam Johnson leaving the line early is what mm -hmm. pretty sure yeah. it happened. Um, yeah. They weren't totally clear um, on what exactly happened there. They score the second time around. Uh, Sam Johnston, 
a Manchester United project product comes back to play Manchester United. Uh, and I think West Brom dropping points is pretty hard on West Brom for this match. That being said, let's get it over with. Let's go to Fulham Everton. You take this one. All right, then. This, thank God we can move on from Manu because that was a dire game. Everton sink Fulham 3-2 in what was actually quite an exciting game. Everton came into this match having lost three straight games. Um, I don't think Ancelotti has ever lost four in a row in the league or something like that before this. But Everton sporting a um, a player in Alex Awobi who had a quasi wingback role, which was extremely odd to watch, but he was incredibly good at it. Um, defensive demons haunted Fulham in about the first 45 seconds when Dominic Calvert-Lewin does what he does best and puts it in the back of the net. Um, Bobby Reed equalizes not long after. He now has three goals for Fulham and seems, I think, I think he offers a lot of dynamism up top that maybe Mitrovic doesn't. Um, he was on the bench today. I th- yes, I think he was on the bench, yes, because he came on later, having played for Bulgaria a lot over the break. I have here in my Thanks. notes that he's <clears throat> Serbian. I am so sorry. I knew that when that came out of my mouth, it was false. Um, apologies to Mitrovic and all Bulgarians and Serbians. Um, I have here in my notes that it was Alex Awobi consistently driving at the Fulham players with mazy dribbles. And that's exactly what he did all match. Um, and now I think I'm going to rant about how terrible Fulham are at defending because. Listen, Everton's approach play for this second goal that they score exposes how static the back line of Fulham is. Ola Aina is so narrow in the box that he's basically playing at centre-back. And I just cannot understand how you can give a player of Luka Dina's quality like 15 yards of space close to the box where he just... You know, it's not even a hard cross. He just passes it into the middle and Dominic Calvert-Lewin taps it in. And then again for the third goal, Fulham are so narrow and Digne is just in acres of space again and he swings in across and Decore leaps, heads it in, and it's nice football, but somewhat ridiculous from Fulham. Now, I've got to say in the second half, Fulham were a lot, a lot, a lot better. Um, and they really can't catch a break with penalties as Cavalero is the one to step up this time and basically kicks his own leg and then it sails over the bar and the referee gives a a free kick to or drop ball or something to Everton because I think both legs hit the ball or something. Um, It's so strange. Yeah, I know. I was impressed by Adamola Lookman again. Um, He's desperate to impress and I'm sure he really wanted to against his old club anyway. But he's one of the bright sparks for Fulham this season. He drove um, down the wing and then across the byline and cut it back for Ruben Loftus-Cheek to get a second for Fulham and set up a pretty breathless finish. Um, I thought that the international break was actually quite inopportune for Scott Parker, who was beginning to build some momentum maybe with the performances he was putting in however maybe that end to the West Ham match where Luckman does 
what Luckman did um, would have sort of uh, shattered that momentum anyway. But I guess what I want to ask you on top of the comments you have about this match is, you know, do you think Fulham can survive if they just scrap out results against other bad teams like they did against West Brom? Because right now I think they're better than Sheffield and Burnley. Um, they're playing okay football. So I think it's not over for them yet. Yeah, so, I mean, looking back at their last few results, they barely lose to Everton, barely mm -hmm. lose to West Ham. They yep. beat West Brom. They barely lose to Palace. They draw against Sheffield. They barely lose to Wolves. Uh, and then before that, they got turned over by Brentford in the Cup and Aston Villa in the league. But And Leeds. Uh, yeah, that's crazy Leeds result too. Yeah, so... Sure, you can see the glimpses of quality that Fulham yeah. have. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately the defense, like you cannot survive in the Premier League without a defense uh, unless yeah. you're Leeds. That's true. Um, so do I think that Fulham can scrap it out and survive? No. Do I think they can scrap it out and finish in 17th with it coming right. down to the last match day or the second to last match day? Sure. Okay. Uh, do I think Scott Parker gets sacked? Potentially. Uh, Put it this way, is, I think uh, Parker is more likely to get sacked than Chris Wilder. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> sure. So I agree with that sentiment in that uh, the Fulham ownership are not the Sheffield United ownership. Um, you see the like snappy decision to drop a hundred million on transfers, uh, which most promoted clubs understand that that's not a sustainable solution. Um, you can't just come up to the premier league and drop a lot of money and say, okay, we're going to be fine. Uh, that very yeah. rarely works. Uh, you need like, a good manager, a good plan. You need to continue what you were doing in the championship. Yeah. Um, which I don't think Fulham has shown that they can continue to do what they did last season. Uh, right. So do I think they can eke it out? No, I do not. That is the short answer mm -hmm. to my question, to your question. Well, if you have nothing else to say about this match, we can move on to the lovely, lovely Hammers victory against the dire team that is Sheffield United. Yeah, I do want to briefly touch, because if I don't mention it now, who knows uh, when I will mention it. Uh, it's just Scott Parker is both a Newcastle and a West Ham legend. That's true. Uh, we do love Scotty Parker. So Absolutely. Um, so it does hurt to see him struggle. It does. Um, it does. And there was a time when people were clamoring for Scott Parker to be appointed manager of Newcastle. Oh, wow. Uh, really? Which, mm. we'll, I don't know my opinion on that. But okay, so West Ham, Sheffield, and I did. Yeah. Okay, I'll take this one again, I guess. And we won't spend too much time on this because West Ham, we, it was a, not a straightforward 1-0 victory, but a, a, just a pretty uh, dogged one, I suppose. 
um sebastian Allaire um smashes in it was actually a great goal i don't know if you saw it um he smashes in a goal from outside the 18 yard box which is significant because um according to opta joe that is the first time in his entire professional career that he scored from outside the box um in 190 something matches which i found quite astonishing when my brother told me um i didn't quite believe him but apparently it's true um and that goal meant that sheffield united have failed to keep a clean sheet for the entirety of the season um chris wilder was understandably extremely disappointed because his side are stuck on one point and it is almost the end of november um it was a tight game and it was a fabulous finish, um, essentially. And uh, David Moyes was happy afterwards. He said that we can start to look up the league, not down it, even though we can play better, which is very true. Um, West Ham could have scored a couple of goals. Uh, I seem to remember a Thomas Socek chance. Oh, my goodness. Like five Thir- yards out. 33rd yeah. minute. A yeah. Terrible yeah. miss. And it was a horrible, horrible miss. Um, I remember, I think we hit the bar. They also hit the bar a couple of times. And actually, Lucas Fabianski made two or three excellent saves, which I was quite happy to see because he is pushing on now. He's like 35. And um he had a difficult season last season with injuries so it's good to see him back at his best um yeah i want to shout out Arthur Masuaku who definitely was looking like the weak link in the beginning but then sort of pulled himself together and got a hold of um uh, bulldog um and yeah, I mean, our passing was pretty excellent and reliable. Declan Rice excelled in this game, I thought. Um, I thought he showed a range of passing that he has failed to do for a lot of his career so far. So good at um, regaining possessions, and I loved that he was driving forward. Um, yeah, we failed to put chances away, but it was um, an excellent victory, and I'm very pleased with it. And I'm very happy for Sebalet because even though he looked sad and frustrated, still, everyone else is very happy for him, and it can only be a good thing that he's scoring. Yeah, I uh, wondered, uh, and this was brought up in the commentary of the match, um, I wondered how much uh, Sebastian Allaire switching from uh Fran- france to the oh, yeah. ivory coast national team he scored on uh, his debut i yeah, exactly i wonder if the like he had this like pressure to he has to be performing well so he has, even has like a outside chance of making it to the french national team if that pressure is relieved with him playing for the ivory coast and he has the potential mm-hmm. to be the man for the Ivory Coast. Um, Possibly. Possibly. uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Um, Of course, I I cannot see into the the minds of these. Into the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I I did want to say Sheffield did not look terrible. um, And they had opportunities. And maybe on another day, one of those opportunities falls. But like this is a results game. And after nine matches they have one point a negative 11 goal differential uh which is just that's only better than west brom and 
if we're talking about your defense only being one goal better than West Brom, there's like yeah. a serious problem there. Yeah. Um, Rian Brewster looked terrible. Um, the two worst rated players for this match were Rian Brewster and. Uh, yeah, poor sorry. Brewster. The, the the two worst ranked players for this season for Sheffield United are Rian Brewster and Ollie Burke. And I just want Ugh. to bring this up that you told me that Ollie Burke would have a fine season, and I feel very mm. vindicated that he is the second worst well. player on yeah. the worst team in the Premier League. So yeah. I get a little bit of a rub it in your face. Uh although good. It's very rare that I get to rub anything in your face. You usually do that to me. <laughs> I don't know about that. That being said, good on Seb. Good on yeah. West Ham. Come yeah. on, you Irons. Come on, you Irons. Eighth in the league. The Come on, David Moyes. Life, mm. Lifetime appointment. God, please. So, life is good. Yeah. Life is good right yep. now. Life is not good said, for Arsenal, Blake. Absolutely. Because they drew 0 0 to Leeds and they got. Nicola Pepe sent off and just like United I don't think we should talk about this match because it was absolutely horrible but maybe I have, have one opinion. thing to say go ahead if you're gonna headbutt someone ah uh, yeah do it properly. why do why do this little Come love on. tap if like you're gonna get sent off VAR is gonna see it the player's going to react yeah why not yeah. Zidane the shit out of him because you're kind of lifetime bound but you know sh- well uh, I mean I don't think you'd get a lifetime ban for <laughs> no, what Zidane did, but don't you, press your you, forehead against the player. I mean, if you're going to do that, you may as well like That's... just fully shove him in the chest, and it it would be satisfying sure. to see him sprawl on the ground. You know, it 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 makes no sense to get yourself sent off for literally not because no matter what, if you headbutt another player, you'll be sent off. So why make it such a barely making contact like either you're pissed at the leads defender and you want to make him feel it or mm. nothing happened and you shouldn't have pressed your head against him in the first place so i have no idea what pepe is thinking yeah and pepe yeah. has not had a great career a uh, great time at arsenal no he hasn't um outside of europe um yeah and i think i have two quick things to say and then we can quickly move yeah, on go ahead um i thought leads was the better team Leno kept Arsenal in this game, uh, and yeah, also good. at at uh, in the 90th minute in stoppage time, uh, Gabriel, the Arsenal centre back, uh, took a shot straight to the nuts, uh, and he is hunched over, holding his nuts, and he still gets up to attempt to block the second shot. Um, so, sh- yeah, shout out Gabriel for. Uh, like literally grinding through it. Um, but Arsenal did not deserve a thing from this match. Uh, and with that being said, let's talk about Liverpool Leicester. Yep. Let's talk about Liverpool Leicester. Do you want to take this one? Yeah. Um, it basically where you're going to start is uh, the Johnny Evans own goal. Um, yeah. I don't know if you can like really. Or Johnny Evans blame him it's kind yeah, of one really. of those yeah. he's trying to defend and it's just an it unfortunate own goal yeah, the, the weird if thing I was liked... that he, he did flick his head backwards so it sort of does 
rocket into the back yeah. of the net in a bit of a like why did that happen way but yeah it, it's just like a bang bang play though like you don't really yeah ricochet in in real time like i if it wasn't johnny evans like if it was a newcastle defender i don't know if i would blame him for that no i wouldn't i wouldn't but i would just say like uh stupid Macum johnny evans scores an own goal in an important match um so Stupid, uh, stupid Malcolm Johnny Evans. He, yeah, he spent two seasons on loan with Sunderland. My so. God, how do you know that? Because oh uh, I detest Sunderland with uh, every guy's bone in my Belfast. body. Give him a break. <laughs> if you cut me open, my blood will not bleed red. That Maybe is how much I hate Sunderland. White. Yes. Um, but uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, Diego Jota scores again for Liverpool. I know, he's so um, good. Excellent. What on earth is he doing? The FA, come test him for steroids. He's doing something. There has to be something fishy going on. Um, I mean, even Jurgen Klopp said, oh, he's way better than I thought he would be in an interview, which I find hilarious. So yeah, whatever he, whatever he's eating in the morning, Weetabix, clearly, because he's been amazing. Yeah, um, I, I do want to say um, that uh, I I had seen Wolves fans that were like fine with seeing him leave uh, because they were like, well, we have Daniel Podence and uh, Neto and uh, we kind of have so many attacking wingers that like Diego Schutt is just kind of surplus for requirements. Um, and if we get a lot of money for him, I don't think the Wolves will be so much worse off without him um and i really want to like i wish i knew some wolves fans in real life uh and because i want to see their yeah. opinion like now seeing him do so well for liverpool are they still are they like fine with the money they got and the fine with the position they're in or are they mm. uh resentful that I mean, he was uh, kind of, he's moved on and not stagnating at wolves but i mean, i think you know he said himself that it's not he's playing the best football of his of his career it's that he's playing in the best team he's ever played in so you know i guess that's that's something too i don't think it would necessarily be that he would be replicating this form for wolves this season so yeah um and we are a little tight for time so i'm gonna run through yeah. the rest of this match um i think it was unfair for leicester to not score any goals in this match um but i also think it's unfair to liverpool that they only scored three. I think like a fair score line would have been 4-1 or 5-1. Right. Um, Liverpool, they either missed some chances or uh, Leicester had some pretty uh, phenomenal defensive stands against Liverpool. Um, and then also Leicester were a little unlucky not to score some. Uh, I thought they a 3-0 score line is... Uh, unflattering to both teams which is not something you say very often right. uh mendy for leicester should have gotten a straight red for uh his challenge on wijnaldum that is a leg breaker uh i yeah, would not be i'm not sure what how it worked if var said there was no foul because then there's no possible chance of retroactive uh punishment uh but I think right. you really have to look at that because that I thought he broke Wynaldum's ankle. 
you could hear it. You could hear yeah. the. You you hate uh, to see those challenges, especially because Men- Mendy has been on the end of some terrible ones himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Firmino had a or Firmino had a late uh, header, uh, just a bullet header, like like right into the back of the goal. A really good goal. Yeah. 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 Um, and this result sends Liverpool to top of the league. Joint top. Uh, actually, they're second behind top. behind yeah. Tottenham because of that seven-two thrashing goal difference. Yes. Yeah. Um, my ex-roommate is a Liverpool fan, so mm. I have to see him uh, flaunt Gloat. this. Uh, yeah, uh, until they they sink it. Um, yeah. But yeah. We'll see. All right. Um, Good wrap so- up. If you want to pick out, I. Starred some. Do you want to pick out okay. some of the more? I, it's up to you. So to let's you. blitz through these. Okay, you, I say, Just, I say the match. All right, all right. I'm going uh, nil nil. Uh, Liverpool Brighton. I will go for three one Liverpool. I will go for three two Brighton. Oh wow! How about uh, City Burnley? Um. I've got to back the City victory 2-0. Oh, shit. I'm also going 2-0 City. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, how about Everton Leeds? Barnstormer. 4-4. Wow. <laughs> I would also go Barnstormer, but 4-3 wow. Leeds. Nice. Uh, West Brom, Sheffield United. I reckon this would be terrible. I'm going 0-0. I'm going 1-0 Sheffield United, Rian Brewster scores his first goal. Oh, still backing. Uh, Manchester United and Southampton. 3 1 Southampton. Wow. I'm going to go 1 0 Man U, just to be different from you. Uh, Chelsea Spurs. Oh, this is the hard one. Um, You uh, 2 2. Uh, my cat just walked across the keyboard. Uh, that was your I'm, cat. That's hilarious. I'm going to go uh, three nil Spurs. No, I'm so I'm changing my prediction. Uh, I can't back Chelsea for a draw. I'll go a relatively audacious two nil Spurs. All right. How about Wolves Arsenal? I'll go one all. I'm gonna go one nil. Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about Leicester Fulham? Four two. God, I'm going ridiculous. Who wins? Oh, four two. Yes, obviously Leicester. Four two Leicester. I'm gonna go one one. That's my one draw. I'm predicting. Uh, <laughs> West Ham and Villa. Never ever back a West Ham win, so I'll go to all high scoring for me. I am gonna go with a 2 0 win for wet spam. Uh, and you know, David my, my, Boy's high flying irons. My problem is, Blake, that I keep forgetting that we're going head to head on these, and I've made some absolutely ridiculous predictions. The way well, you do it, do we get a point for getting the right prediction? Yeah, so the okay. last time we did this, I got four correct predictions and you got three, which just if gives me... a perfect me... score, do we get more points for that? Sure. I'll give you five points if you... 
like I predict four four Everton lead. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, oh wait, no, no. I thought you meant if you managed to predict all ten oh, matches no, correctly. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'll double your point if you get a score cor- like exactly correct. Oh, fun. That's what I do with my family. Okay, and with our predictions out of the way, uh, we're gonna end this with my five questions. Um, the let me just quickly pull up some things. So as we return to these normal shows, we're also going to return to our normal final segment, uh, which is Blake's five questions in which I will ask. uh, I'm not going to ask where this player is today um, because I know you already know um, because we've talked about it very recently. Um, But the, so I'm going to ask you more about your opinion of him. Um, okay. And this week's former Wonder Kid is a uh, childhood Manchester United fan, uh, Burundi national Saido Berahino, um, who he is currently playing for Charleroi on loan from uh, Zulta Vargum, uh, both clubs in Belgium. He, of course, had that amazing season in. Uh, 2014, where he scored 20 goals in 45 appearances, and everyone thought he was going to be amazing. Uh, and being out on loan for honestly a decent Belgian league team, um, like they're not horrendous. So he's not like a complete failure. Uh, no, he's been doing know. well in the pro league, hasn't he? Yes. So what's yeah? One goal, one appearance. Uh, so. Uh, what's your opinion outside last season? So. Yeah, 10 and 26 last year. It was very good. Um, so uh, when you watched him when you were younger, did you think he was going to be a star? Um, I, when I was younger in that... Hmm, I mean, I don't know. I can't pretend that back then I was paying close attention to individual players with up and coming potential i just kind of had like my favorite players and i followed them and then i liked west ham it's only really in the past three or four years that i started to scrutinize football more closely um but i do remember him and i do remember being very impressed by him but then it, i don't know it seemed like all of a sudden that transfer saga with tottenham happened and it just fell off a cliff from there like he was dreadful for stoke so no i i can't pretend that um i thought he would necessarily amount to great things what about you i it's very different i think being in the u.s and watching soccer growing up um because most of the the hype you see is online and like there's certainly a different type of hype that you get on like footballing forums compared to like real life fans because i don't know any stoke fans or west brom fans in real life so i never got to hear them talk about their players but i saw like people on the soccer subreddit uh talking about how this kid was going to be amazing um, yeah no i do remember that 
Obviously. And he had 11 goals in 12 appearances for the England U21. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, impressive. big talent. Big talent is one of those stories where the player gets the reputation for being difficult behind the scenes and career falls off from there, right? Yes. Yeah, released from Stoke. Yeah. That's a pretty dire situation. But situation. he is 27. He's probably going to have back. some good years. Maybe come back. Who knows? If he yeah. hangs in the Belgian Pro League, maybe it's West a- Brom will take a punt on him. He'll go back to West Brom. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, the success of a player should not be defined if they succeed in the England leagues or not. Um, so surely he can have, uh, if he has a few good years in Belgium, we'll talk about him being a fine player. So That would be fun. That would be fun. I would like that. Yeah, shout out Saito Berhino. I hope, I hope he does well. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on. Uh, my next question for you is a hypothetical one. Okay. Um, with Big Seb Haller scoring this past match day, what yeah. does the future look like for him? The future for Sebastian Allaire is very much up in the air. I think basically the problem is he doesn't fit in this Moyes system very well. Um, Moyes is clearly poor at rotating uh, both players and formations. So what we've essentially seen is... West Ham line up exactly the same and Seb Allaire basically asked to do the same job as Mikel Antonio is doing, which he can't do. Um, maybe that changed a little bit in the Sheffield United match because we didn't see Seb Allaire trying to press as much uh, on his own as he hasn't, or at least he's been told to do in the games when Antonio has been out. However, that's probably because of the way Sheffield United play, uh, and we weren't sitting off from them much because we have as much of an attacking threat. So, listen, the future for him and play with Mikel Antonio. I would really like to see that. Happen. I works very well for him, and he's not about to switch that up. I mean, we... We see, I mean, I know he's only, but Ben Rama didn't even get on the pitch against Sheffield United. Lanzini came on ahead of him and we've signed him for a lot of money. So I think players fall out of favor play Seb Allen uh, more oh, Seb Allen uh, he'll play in the in the Sebastian Hall air yeah. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, I'm not even going to let you uh, respond 
listen to that. Um, I want you to rank these three Premier League teams to survive this season. Burnley, Brighton, and Sheffield United. Brighton are 100%. Burnley, Sheffield, you argue is harsh to both clubs because you have to always back. And I think that Sheffield United aren't good this season. But they are Chris Wilder trusts in a system that's worked for him before. And I don't see a more likely. Even burn and more talent than Burnley do right now. Final okay. answer. Um, talking about Sheffield, you know, potentially, yeah, or at least are more likely to. Um, so I want you to tell who has been their best player and who has been their two worst God, I'm, players. I'm really rubbish at these ones. Um, their best player this season. I had, uh, honestly haven't watched that much. Sheffield United. I'll go David McGoldrick. Oof, wrong striker. Oh, wrong it striker. Is, Robinson. Uh, Ollie McBurney is the highest oh, ranked. He Sheffield almost scored player. twice against us. Yeah, Ollie oh. McBurney. But he hasn't scored, has he? No, I guess seven point one aerial duels won per game. Oh my God. That's okay. pretty damn good. Um, right. Two okay. worst players, you say? Yes, we've talked about them extensively. We have? Yeah, what, uh, what is Oh, 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 oh yes. Um, wait, uh, his name is slipping my mind. The goalkeeper. No, they, Sheffield cannot score goals All for right, two so of their attackers. Ollie Burke? Yep, Ryan that's... Brewster. Yep, the two worst-ranked players for Sheffield United. Poor guys. Yeah, they gotta they gotta figure out something. Yeah, they really right. do. And to end this podcast, uh, I will ask you: Can West Ham finish in eighth spot mm. this season? Um. Yes. Oh. Exactly. I've asked you in the past about tenth. But can they finish eighth, which is where they currently are? Yeah, we are currently there. I think they possibly can, but they would have to stamp out the now common or now inevitable like mid-season or winter break rubbish patch. Um, and I'm not sure they will. However, we are so much more stable than we've been for a long time and we've had the best start we've had since 2015 that pie season no i don't think they could they probably can't make eighth but tenth yes i mean it's a terrible answer i really don't know i i'm just happy for west ham to survive so all right i think 12th 12th to 10th is a deserved spot for West Ham to finish. Mm. Um, 
top half would be nice. I mean, with the football we're playing right now, we deserve to be top half, don't you think? Like, we've been yeah. really good this season. The uh, question is, like, can Moyes yeah. keep that up? But, you know, I want to know, like, I, I genuinely think that we've been good this season and I am the first in line to criticise West Ham. Do, would you say, I know you hate every club in the world apart from Newcastle, but do you think we've been good this season? Yes, I do. Yeah. And I won't say I hate every club. Well, actually, wait. I do hate every club, but I don't detest every club. No, yes. There's a clear uh, yeah, spectrum. Definitely. And I'm like a... There's a slight warm feeling with West uh, Ham. I don't... West Ham deserves to be detested, Blake. So, But, I mean, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, All with right. that being said, let's wrap up this podcast. Uh, please follow... Me on Twitter at B Munch. Follow Oscar at O C H U H. O H S C U H. I'll never remember that. Email I mean, the podcast at the peaked too early pod at gmail.com. Yep. Follow the other peaked too early podcast if you're interested in running. With that being said, Don't get COVID. Stay inside. Wear a mask. Watch some soccer. Take care. Good night. Yep. Good night. I'm standing.